Open your Bibles to John chapter 15, Gospel of John chapter 15. If you're joining us by way of audio, video, podcast, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, appreciate uh, and uh, feel honored that you would find us. Uh, find your Bible and open to John chapter 15. Uh, follow along with us. Just finished a message series entitled Supernatural Unity. Now wants to talk about sacrificial love, two qualities of the church, supernatural unity, sacrificial love. This will be a conversation that's going to take us all the way to Easter. So today I just want to set the table uh, and define some terms and talk about the kind of love that Jesus wants us to have. Uh, John chapter 15, I'm going to start in verse 9. Already the passage I referred to at the table, I just want to read it in, in complete and then uh, see how the Lord will speak to us. John chapter 15, verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. I told you this story once that a college student had told. I'm told that nearly every person who survived the divorce of their parents, if, if you've seen your parents divorce, you probably have a memory, something like this. They say every divorced kid remembers that day, the day, you know. And so this college kid tells a story of the day when he was very small and coming home with his mother from the grocery store. He was little, he was the only child, loved his mama, loved his daddy, and uh, his world was perfect. Lived in a little subdivision, he played with his friends. And as I say, they were in the car coming home from the grocery store. And he said that when they came around the corner, got within sight of the house, that he noticed his dad was packing clothes in his truck. And when mama saw that, he said his mother just started screaming and crying, like in the car, just screaming and crying. And the kid was terrified. He had no idea what was about to happen. So the mother pulled the car into the driveway and then jumped out and just started screaming and crying hysterically. The, the, the guy said that he had never heard his mother cry like that and, and never heard anybody. He said that she cried so desperately it sounded like an animal. You know what I mean? And she was crying and begging and the guy said he went as a little boy and he, and he sat down on the garage step just to, just to watch because nobody at that moment was thinking about him. His mother was crying. His father was cursing. He said he never heard his father say those words, but his father was cursing. His mother was crying and the little boy was just watching his world come apart. He couldn't understand any of it. Finally, his mother, in her hysteria, she, she screamed out, that the only way you can leave is if you drive over my body. 
And so the boy watched his mother lay down behind the truck. She just stretched her body out behind the truck, and she was still just screaming and crying. And then the boy said that his father revved the engine, really angry, just revved his truck engine. And he drove out. He, he drove around his mother, drove around the mother, and uh, drove right out of their lives. Now, that little boy's a college student now. And he says that he has no interest in dating, no interest in girls, no interest in relationship. He says, if that's what love is, I don't need it. A few years ago, uh, a young woman showed up at our church. She told us she didn't have any family. And I'm telling you, we're that kind of church. If you don't have family, we will be your family. And so we just all adopted her in, an instant family. And she was wonderful. We, we all enjoyed her. She just, I mean, so quickly became a part of everybody's life. She showed up one day at church uh, with cookies for the staff. It was this big platter of red velvet cookies she said were from her mother, mother's recipe. I didn't know there was such a thing as red velvet cookies. I ate them all. <laughs> They're good. She told us she had cancer and she was driving every single week to Owensboro for treatments, which just broke my heart. I begged her to let one of us take her. We would gladly drive her. I didn't think she should have to do that, but she never took us up on that. Nobody ever went to Owensboro with her, but we... Knew that was part of her story. Uh, she was a great singer, and she was on the stage just instantly. Found her place on the stage, and she was leading worship, you know, singing on the stage. And since some of you saw her on stage, uh, and again, we all trusted her, uh, some of you started letting her watch her kids. You know, so she was just all of a sudden watching people's kids. And she said she loved old people, too, and she was in and out of a lot of our houses. She'd come visit the older folks. And, I guess probably about the same time I saw her mug shot online, I realized that every single thing she told us was a lie. Every single thing. She did not have cancer. Y'all, she didn't even make her own cookies. And if she was ever in your home, she probably stole from you. She stole anything you had out. She stole from almost all of us steal and she lied last time I saw her was at the Simpson County Jail the, the worst part of that for me was the feeling that I'm the I'm the shepherd of the flock and I should protect the flock and and it was just infuriating to me that a person would come in from outside like that and take advantage of a church's kindness because we were just being kind to somebody that we thought needed kindness and she took advantage of that and it's infuriating to me. And I think the worst part was hearing what some of you said when it was over. Because some of you would say, Pastor Tim, I, I don't know if I could just trust anybody again. I, I don't know if I want to help anybody anymore. If, if that's what helping gets you, I don't know that I can do that anymore. There was a woman named Lindsay Ann, a young woman, uh, had always struggled with her weight, always overweight. Um, she was one of those girls that they would say is always a bridesmaid, never a bride, always a bridesmaid. She was a bridesmaid in all of her friends' weddings. But Lindsay Ann, never, she never really had even talked to a guy, all the way through school. 
Uh, a lot of it was her weight. She just always felt like nobody was going to be interested in her because of the way that she looked, and she just didn't know how to begin to approach a guy. So she had trouble in school, but once school was out, there was no way to meet a guy anymore, and she didn't want to be alone. And so Lindsay Ann discovered dating apps. Y'all know about those, right? Um, nearly every couple that comes to me to get married anymore meets on a dating app. So honestly, I'm actually a believer. We can talk about that if you want to talk about it, but I'm a believer. I, th- I think a lot of people seem to find good folks uh, on the best apps. She found a guy. She swiped right on Mickey. Um, his name was Mickey. They didn't exchange pictures, so she had no idea what Mickey looked like, but that didn't matter, Lindsay Ann, and she took some comfort in knowing that he couldn't see her either, and so for a long time, they messaged on the app, and then they went to texting. She gave him her number, and he would text her on her phone, and they texted all the time. They still never called and never heard each other's voice and never saw pictures. Lindsay Ann would say that it is amazing how quickly and how Deeply, you can fall in love with somebody that you only text with, but she had never had a conversation with a man like she was texting, and she told him secrets and really felt like he was a man that that was going to love her. And so they made plans to meet. He was three hours away from her, and so they made plans to meet at a mall halfway at the food court. They would just meet, and again, no idea what the other would look like. Lindsay Ann said that when she was driving to that mall, an hour and a half, whatever, that she would just like burst out laughing because she was so excited and and just anticipation of meeting Mickey and just having this because in her whole life, she'd never had that. She'd never had that. The idea that somebody was there to, to meet her, that somebody was there for her, she'd never known it. And she would just drive and just laugh and burst out laughing. She was so excited. She got there early. She said she sat down at a table at the food court and then just started looking at the men, you know, trying to figure out which one is Mickey, which one could be Mickey, and she couldn't figure it out. She was just looking at all of them. And then finally, a guy came and sat down at the back of the food court. And you ever done that thing where you're not sure, so you look and then you look down and you look up and look down, and, and they were doing that to each other. He'd look up and look at her and she'd look up and then, you know, finally she realized that that's got to be Mickey. He knows it's, he knows it's me. It's Mickey. And so Lindsay Ann took a deep breath. She's never done this sort of thing. She took a deep breath, and she walked across that food court, and she walked and stood by Mickey's table. And she actually practiced this line. She knew what she wanted to say. She said, are you looking for somebody, Mickey? She said that he never looked her in the face, that he started at the bottom real slow and looked up her body and got about so far up And he looked back down at the table and said, I'm not looking for anybody. Lindsay Ann said that the heartbreak was so sudden and so severe that it felt like just panic. I mean, she just panicked and ran out of there and cried all the way home in that car. And to this day, that woman says, if, if that is what love does, if, if that's what love feels like, I don't want anything to do with it. Now, that's three stories. Y'all know I could keep going. And if I pass the microphone around, y'all could add to it. 
we could add stories about how we've been loved and, and, and hurt but because a lot of us have had our hearts broken. A lot of us have been disappointed by other people. A lot of us have stories just like those stories. And, and, and you would say to yourself, if, absolutely, if, if, if what I've experienced is what love is, I don't know that I want any more of it. I don't know that I need that. I, I, don't, I don't want that. Is that what love gets you? I don't want it. And and that's why I want us to start right there. I want us to start with that feeling, that, that delusion that you're under, that, that love somehow hurts, that love causes pain, that love is disappointment. I, I just want to start there because part of what we have to do in order to understand what Christ has for us is to somehow avail ourselves of the myths that we've believed about love. And and, and this honestly is the greatest myth, the idea that love hurts, the idea that love causes pain, the idea that love leaves wounds. That is not the truth. Love is not like that. Understand, nobody has ever been hurt because of love. I I know part of you, like you're thinking, Pastor Tim, that's impossible. You just gave three stories. I could tell a hundred more stories. We all know that love hurts. We know that love always can leave you broken. But I'm telling you, nobody has ever been hurt because of love. They're hurt because of a lack of love. Love does not hurt. Love does not inflict pain. Love does not cause pain. Love does not leave wounds. It's when people fail to love that somebody gets hurt. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the lack of love. It's the failure to love. And I'm telling you, down here in this world, most people don't know what love is. They don't know how to love, and and, and they do hurt you, and they do somehow always manage to disappoint. That's people. But we're talking about a love of another kind here. We're talking about Jesus. We're not going to get our definition of love from the world. Because the world doesn't know love, the world is not the source of love, and we can't listen to the world. Now, you drive around all you know, week long, listen to Pandora, Spotify, whatever, you're listening to love songs, because every song on the radio is about love. But I'm telling you, listen to the songs. They don't know what love is. They don't know. And you're listening to that, and you're believing that, and in your mind you have so many false notions of what love is, what love brings, where love will get you. And I'm telling you, let's come back to Jesus, because Jesus says, this is my command, love each other. But on top of that, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Now that's the funny part, because what's new about the command to love one another? Jesus actually already said that back in chapter 13. I mean, at this table, he's already told them to love each other. I mean, obviously this is his big point. But on top of that, the Old Testament says we should love people. The idea that we should love each other, what's new about that? Well, what's new about it is what Jesus says with that phrase, love one another as I have loved you. That's the new part. The new part is that now we have an example. We have a display. We have perfect love in the flesh, and it's Jesus So the new part is the idea that now you can look at Jesus, you can draw love, you can learn love from Jesus. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. We're going to learn about love from Jesus, all right? So let's start with a basic definition. What Jesus says right here is love each other in the same way I've loved you. Verse 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So with that, let me just give you, this is the Harris definition of love. 
and I've said this before, I, I don't change this because nobody's ever convinced me I should. I think this is a, a, a good definition of what love is. This is what we're going to work with anyway, okay? This is what I consider a gospel definition. Love is, say the word, power. Love is power. Start there. Love is not feeling. We, in our heads, we all know that love isn't feeling, and at the same time, if we don't feel it, we don't love, or we don't think there is love. We're very, very confused when it comes to love and feelings, because for the world, love is just a sweet emotion, right? And love is always about feelings, and so that's why when you have a, a relationship and when you don't feel it, it's over, you know? And so people just think that love is something you fall into and fall out of. It runs hot until it runs cold. You know, it's there and then it's not there. It fizzles, it walks out. And I'm telling you, love is not feeling. Feeling is actually a release of dopamine in your brain that is sometimes triggered by certain pleasant experiences, like an, an experience with a, a person that you care for. That, that, that feeling of affection can trigger dopamine, and dopamine can give you a sense of euphoria. But I'm telling you, the dopamine comes and goes. The euphoria comes and goes. True love stays. It doesn't run on dopamine. You understand what I'm saying? Love is not feeling. I would sometimes probably be tempted to say that love is a pattern of behavior in the world, like a way of being in the world, but a pattern of behavior. It's, it's about action. If it's not feeling, it must be about action, how you treat people, right? But, but even then, I, I hesitate to do that because I feel like from a gospel perspective, love is more than just a pattern of behavior. It's power. It's power. It is energy for getting things done. It is power to change a person. It's the only power that will change a heart. Jesus' love is the strongest power on earth. So let's start right there. Love is power. We're not talking about feelings. We're not even always just talking about how we treat each other. We're talking about power first. Love is the power that moves us in everyday relationships to give without expecting anything back. Again, get this from Jesus. Greater love has no one than this to lay down your life for your friends. It's just giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love is the power that moves us to give without expecting anything back. That's the thing. You don't give to get something. Now, in the world, most relationships you've ever known, it was give to get, right? I will give you the key to my place if, you, you know, if I get the key to your place. I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me. I'll give you my phone password if I can have your telephone password. I mean, you know, it's always give to get. You know, I'll be kind to you if you show kindness to me. I'll be your friend, you know, if you be my friend. This is how the world operates. We give to get. Now, understand, that's not a relationship. That's a transaction. That's a transaction. That, that's like what happens, you know, at Starbucks when you give them $500 and they give you a cup of, you know, really bad coffee. <laughs> you know? It's a transaction. You give something and you get something. But love, when we're talking about Jesus, this kind of love, it's not a transaction. I don't give to you to try to manipulate you to give something to me. I don't try to, you know, give you sex hoping you'll give me love. I mean, that's not how any of this works. Love is the power that moves us in everyday relationships to give without expecting anything back. You give. Love gives. Expecting nothing in return. 
This is why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't keep score, I I would say. Because again, in the world's idea of love, you you always keep in score. Like some of you sitting right there, like I'm not asking you, but you could tell me that, you know, I, I emptied the dishwasher five times this week and my husband emptied it once. Like you kept that score. I changed 15 poopy diapers on Monday before breakfast and he hadn't changed a diaper, you know, since Christmas. You count. You count, don't you? I mean, we keep score. But understand, just in marriage, it's a little marriage tidbit for you here. In marriage, you can't be on the same team if you're keeping score. You understand? You can't be on the same team if you're keeping score. Love doesn't keep score. Love doesn't keep a record. Love isn't just trying to give in order to get something back. That's not what love does. That's not how love is. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this. Again, Jesus is talking about his kind of love. He is the example. And on this night before he is crucified on the cross, he says, the greatest display of love is to lay down your life. So for us, that means the kind of love Jesus wants us to grasp, wants us to understand, wants us to share, is the love that is displayed most perfectly on the cross of Christ. Now, I know, some of you right now are thinking, Pastor Tim, you just blew a hole in your whole sermon. You just blew it to bits because you said that love doesn't hurt, love doesn't inflict pain. And then you just said that love, you know, put Jesus on the cross, so the greatest display of love is this suffering man. You know, so how can I say that love doesn't cause pain, and yet the greatest display is the love of a man in pain? Okay, if I sat here, you could think it through, right? Like, you could understand that, right? It goes right back to what I say. Love doesn't cause pain. Love doesn't inflict pain. Love doesn't leave wounds. It's the failure to love. We didn't crucify Jesus because we loved him. I mean, come on, you all. Jesus came and showed perfect love to the world, but the world did not receive him. The world could not comprehend. The world could not face perfect love. We killed him. We crucified him. It's our failure to love. So do you understand what I'm saying here? I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, back to it. It's the love chapter, right? And Paul says love suffers. It doesn't cause suffering, but it suffers. As a matter of fact, Paul says love suffers long. How long? Longer than you ever thought you could. You understand? Love's costly. You can't really separate true love with with sacrifice. As a matter of fact, I go so far as to say anywhere you see true love, somebody sacrificed. You ever seen just a happy family, a really good family, they really love each other? I'm telling you, you may not know this story, but behind that story of a loving family is a story of some sacrifice. You know, it may may have been a dad who worked three jobs, not because he loved to work, but because he would do anything for the sake of his kids, providing for his kids, you know? I mean, the love of a mother. I mean, nobody ever loved you like like your mama. Nobody loves me like my mama. Tomorrow's my birthday, mama. Yeah, so (laughs) thank you. 57 years ago, that woman right there, you know, brought me into the world, you know? Um, Um. I'll be, I'll be 57 tomorrow. The thing about my mom, and I'm not going to complain about her right in front of her, but like mom, when I come out after 8 o'clock service, mom's on that bench out there waiting, and, uh, and she always goes, there's my baby boy, like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 57. 
You know, like, I don't feel like I'm anybody's baby boy, but I'm her, you know, baby boy. Um, nobody loves, you know, like a good mama. You know, and, and a lot of you know what I'm saying. You've had a good mom. Uh, you've been loved. And you understand so much of her love for you has to do with sacrifice for you. All that she gave up. I mean, all those nights, you know, when, you know, like when she's holding your hair and get, bringing you Pepto-Bismol while you throw up in the toilet. Like, you think that was a party for her? But my goodness, that moms are just there. Dads are just there. I mean, the point is, true love is sacrifice. And, and here's the thing. The reason why that doesn't really cause pain is because when you really love somebody, you don't think about the pain. You think about the person. I'd, I'd do anything for us. I'd do anything for my wife. I'd, I'd just love them. And I mean, tell me what it is, what, what they need. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do that. It, of course, it means sacrifice for me, but I don't think twice about that. This is what love does. This is how love is. You understand? Of course, it's costly. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a sacrifice for you, a sacrifice for me. You're going to have to die to yourself. And we just talked about supernatural unity, and now we're talking about sacrificial love. And understand, the enemy of both unity and love in the church is selfishness. You've got to get over yourself. You can't love anybody as long as you're still loving yourself. You just have to be willing to say, you know, my needs aren't as important as your needs. My desire, my opinion, you know, I'll, I'll fold it all up for the sake of loving you. That's what love does. And it doesn't have to have anything back. So, so Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. I, I, I love that. So remain in my love. See, see, that's the thing. This love doesn't come from us. It's not like, well, you know, you know, some of us know how to love because we came from good families. No. There are all kinds of messed up people that came from perfectly good families. And some of you came from perfectly messed up families and you're actually okay. So you can't necessarily say that your ability to love, your, your you know, knowledge about love comes from you know, having a good mama or a good daddy. Some of you had horrible parents, and you are twice the father that, you're, that your daddy ever was. God bless you, you know? It's not about, you know, that, that if, if we've had a lot of good experiences in, in dating and relationships, then, then what, will we have a heart more ready to love and able to love? No, it's, it's none of that. Love doesn't come from us. Not at all. It's not in you. It's not about you. And it's not something that you're going to, you know, read some books and, and get to the bottom of it. You know, love is something else. I'm telling you, the scripture says, I loved you even as the Father loved me. So understand, we're loved before we love. It's before us. It's beyond us. I mean, Jesus says, I've loved you as the Father loved me. So it goes back to the love of God the Father. And actually, Scripture says God is love, which is just an amazingly simple and impossibly profound statement. God is love. Book of 1 John says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who knows God and, and, and is born of God loves. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You understand? God is love. That, that love comes from beyond us, from from. from completely outside of us, that love begins with God the Father who himself is love, and then that love is made flesh, and it's demonstrated uh, most perfectly by Jesus on the cross, who uh, 
became sin itself for the sake of saving us. Jesus on the cross, who while we were yet sinners, he came to die for us. Understand, he gave his life not expecting anything back because you didn't have anything to give him. This is perfect love, perfectly demonstrated. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down your life for your friend. You know? So we're loved before we love. That's the thing. I started the sermon with those three really bad stories. I mean, just tear-jerking stories. I mean, I, I, it, was, it was gloomy up in here for the first ten minutes. But some of you say, you know, that's my story. You know, I, I know. I know how that is. And some of you would say that. You know, I had a lady tell me the other day, nobody listens to me. And she's felt that her whole life. And sadly, it's true. There's not a human being in the world that's ever paid any attention to her. And you may feel like that. You know, Pastor Tim, I don't care what you say. Nobody's ever loved me. I'm, nobody's loved me. Nobody's ever seen me. Nobody's ever thought I was worth anything. Nobody's listened to me. I'm telling you that's not true. We're loved before we love you. You've never been unloved. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Now, I know there are, a lot of us have horrible experiences with people because love doesn't come from people. It comes from God. And this is what I'm telling you. That desire that you have to be seen, that desire that you have to have somebody who knows what you're worth. Do you understand? I'm telling you about the everlasting love of a God who would send his son to die for you. He would die for you. He says you're worth everything to him. He sees you. He knows what you're worth. He listens to you. I'm telling you, you have never been unloved. We're loved before we love. So even before I come into a relationship with you, even before I'm called to walk out into the world and start showing love, the, the, the fact of the matter is I'm already loved. And that makes all the difference in the world because you remember love is power. Love is power. And that power comes from outside of me. And so when Jesus says greater love has no one than this than to lay down your life, I mean, some of you up front, you're thinking, I don't know about that. You know, I, I might die for my kids, but then other days I might kill them. I mean, you know, is that not just real life? I mean, sometimes I die for them, other times they make me just want to jump out a window. I, you know, it's hard. Relationships are hard and, and, and people are hard to love. And then you think about this idea that you got to lay down your life. I mean, Jesus' point there is to raise the bar very high because if you lay down your life, it means there's not anything else you wouldn't give. If you would lay down your life, surely you can lay down the remote. If you lay down your life, surely you'll put down your phone and actually have a face-to-face -face conversation with the people in the room with you. You know, if, if you lay down your life, certainly you would set aside, you know, your, your preferences, your opinions, your routine. I mean, if you lay down your life, is there anything that you wouldn't give? And that's the point. So you're like, oh, man, you know, this, love is costly. If it's a sacrifice like that, I don't, I don't know that I'm willing to pay that price. Love just may not be something I can afford. I get that. I really do. Love is costly, and love always demands a sacrifice. But here's the thing, and this is why Jesus connects the whole thing with obedience. Jesus never asks us to do anything that he doesn't then supply everything we need to get it done. 
So if he commands us to go out there and love people, love the world in the same way he loved us, I mean, the sacrificial kind of love, that's what he commands and understand he's going to put that love in your heart. It's not in you. It never has been in you. We all know you. We're telling you, you need Jesus to love like this. We all do. I mean, the world has its love. It's not sacrificial love. They call it love. It's a superficial love. And I'm talking about a sacrificial love. They're not the same thing. Superficial love looks at appearance. Appearance is very important. Some of you ever been married to the man who, who loved you less if you gained weight? You know, the dude's got a problem. And no matter what he says, it ain't love. Love doesn't look at the outside. Love sees the inside, you know. Superficial love is dependent upon appearance and circumstance, you know. If it's a good day, I might be there. If it's a bad day, when things get hard, I'm gone. You know, you ever had somebody that loved you but only when everything was good? Only when you actually had money? Like when you got money, they're there. When you run out of money, they're gone. You understand? Those aren't friends. That's not love. Love isn't dependent on circumstances. It doesn't run hot and then sometimes run cold. It, it, it doesn't flame up and then fizzle. It doesn't stop. It doesn't quit. You understand? Apostle Paul says love never ends. It never fails. So we're talking about the sacrificial kind of love. It's the love that comes before us because we're already loved. Even before we step out to try to love, that love doesn't come from inside of us. It comes from outside of us, from God the Father who himself is love. We're loved before we love. So let's talk about sacrificial love. Let's talk about you and me. Really beginning to step out into the world with the kind of love that Jesus says we should have. And let's start by showing it to one another. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love each other. Did he even know who he was talking to? Of course he did. And he knows what it means when he tells us to love each other too. Sacrificial kind of love. It's going to call for a sacrifice on your part, make no mistake. But, but if you're wondering if, if you can afford it, <laughs> if you're wondering if the price will be too high, if, if love's going to be too costly for you, I'm telling you, it's not. It's not too costly when you know that you yourself are loved. And you are. You are loved. You have never been unloved.